Have you ever tried to spot the lie? Maybe you think somebody is lying to you. A few weeks ago, I watched a YouTube video called Spy the Lie. And it's by a CIA officer who trains people to spot lies. And they say the average person lies about 10 times a day. That includes white lies, lies that you tell so you won't hurt someone. Wouldn't it be nice to spy the lies that we are told daily through the media in our relationships, or would it? In these uncertain times, it's difficult to know the truth. And we're in a new sermon series, Jesus is Greater Than. Today we are going to start with Colossians 1. Our goal is to make Jesus supreme in our lives and to become spiritually mature. The letter to the Colossians was written to warn believers against the seductive and dangerous presence of false teaching, the lies that would lead them away from God. In order to do this, we need to maintain a steadfast commitment to knowing the truth in order to be able to detect the lies and resist error. The gospel is the truth that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. The truth about Jesus is that because of who he is and what he's done, he deserves first place everywhere in everything. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, this was Paul's standard greeting to the churches that he wrote to. Interesting fact, Paul didn't start the Colossian church. Epaphras did, and yet Paul wanted God's best for the people of God in Colossae. So what is the truth? How do we know the truth? First, the truth about the gospel. The gospel is the truth. Let's look at Colossians 1, 3-5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints... Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. What does the gospel truth do in us? The truth in us, the gospel, bears fruit in believers' lives. Increasing spiritual maturity ought to be the aim of every believer, that we should grow in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 4-6 through He goes on to write, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel. Which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The gospel bears fruit in us. It causes us to grow and mature. Where does the gospel truth grow? The truth, the gospel grows all over the world. The gospel is a dynamic truth that grows. It's a dynamic force which grows in individuals all over the world. Let's look at Colossians 1, 6, latter part of 6, and verse through verse 8. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, 
He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. When you compare world religions, a lot of times we as Christians think that the growth of Islam or the Muslim religion is outperforming or outgrowing Christianity, and that is not true. Now, Islam or, or Muslims typically have more children than what the average Christian family does, but we are still outgrowing because the power of the gospel. Over 20,000 Muslims a year are, are coming to Christ. The question is, how are these truths related to the truth about pleasing God? Let's look at the second point, that pleasing God is being controlled by his will. Our only business in life is to please God. That's what our purpose is. Pleasing God is possible only when his will is the controlling influence in our lives. Is that the controlling influence in your life? Let's look at Colossians 1, verse 9. And so from this day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Pleasing God causes us to grow in character. Let's look at Colossians 1, 10, and 11. It says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Spirituality is a slippery term, but the spiritual life itself is not new. Christian spirituality is nothing other than life in Christ by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit being conformed to the person of Christ, and being united in communion with God and with others. Spirituality is not an aspect of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. Pleasing God is also being grateful for our salvation. Look what Paul says, verse 12 through 14, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The truth of the gospel and the truth about pleasing God, but what's the truth about Jesus? The truth Here's the truth about Jesus. Jesus is the perfect picture of God. Colossians 1.15 He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is also the eternal creator. Look at verses 16 through 19. It says, but for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In this passage, we see the supremacy of Jesus, that that Jesus is greater than everything. Jesus is also a reconciler. If you look in Colossians 1, 20-23, Paul goes on to tell us more about Jesus And he says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, 
making peace by the blood of His cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. We see the truth of the gospel. We see how to please God and the truth about Jesus. But then how do these truths relate to Paul's and our ministry? Paul goes in to tell us the truth about ministry. Ministry involves suffering. Believers should expect suffering. That's not a popular belief, but it's true. Someone asked Roger Staubach, former quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, about football injuries. How do you keep on keeping on if you're playing professional football? Roger Staubach said, this is important. If you're not playing hurt, you're not playing football. Exactly. It's exactly the same way with the Christian faith. If you're not living in hurt, you probably are not living the Christian faith. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh, for I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not only is ministry... Suffering, there will be suffering in ministry. Ministry aims at maturity. Look at what Paul writes on in verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the goal, to make everyone mature, to encourage others to grow in Christ. And finally, about ministry, Paul says, ministry is hard work. That may not seem that way. You might think ministers only work on Sundays, but that isn't true. Let's look at this next verse. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Where do we get the energy for ministry? From Christ. The truth is, Jesus is supreme over everything. We need to be able to spy the lie that would take you and I away from Jesus Christ, that would add something additional to the gospel that would make it false, to not be the true gospel. In The Joyful Christian, C.S. Lewis writes, we may note in passing that Jesus was never regarded as a mere moral teacher. He did not produce that effect on any of the people who actually met him. He produced mainly three effects, hatred, terror, or adoration. There was no trace of people expressing mild approval. Mild approval. Mild approval is what you give to a book you just read, a film you just watched, 
or a restaurant you visited recently. Mild approval is good, to be sure, but mild approval is not a rave review. It's nothing to get really excited about. It's casual. It's restrained. It's impossible to give Jesus Christ mild approval when you understand him. Jesus Christ can be ignored or adored, but you can't give him mild approval. Jesus is our creator, our redeemer, and our judge. You can't be casual about that. Paul tells us in Colossians 1, the truth is that Jesus has the right of absolute supremacy because of who he is and what he does. Absolute supremacy. That means first place in everything. That means Jesus deserves preeminence and not mere prominence in our lives. As believers, we must always be on guard against the lie that would be to allow anything to occupy the place in our lives which only Jesus deserves. We must also be on guard against the more subtle danger, the lie of allowing Jesus a place of equal standing along with the other things that clutter our lives. Often it's the good things that nudge Jesus aside. Ministry and religious activity can take the place of utmost importance. Our children can occupy the top spot. Our dates or our mates can be idolized. Acquisition of stuff or achievement and status can become the things for which we live. None of these are bad in themselves, but if Jesus stands in line behind or beside them, we're just giving Jesus mild approval. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the eternal creator and powerful powerful sustainer of the universe. Jesus is our Redeemer, whose death rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light. We may ignore him, we should adore him, but mild approval never. The question is, does Jesus place a preeminent role in your life? Is he greater than? Let's pray. Eternal God and Father, we're grateful for this time. Father, we just pray that Jesus would be the center, supreme, preeminent in our lives. That like Paul, we will grow and mature in the gospel, in the truth, that we would please you by doing your will, that we would work hard in ministry, that we would place Jesus supreme, that it would test, it would stand the test of the lies that would deceive us to draw away from you, that Jesus would be the most important person and thing in our lives. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.